no matter what your background is, no matter who you are, what you do. Like if you're on a board, I relate with you. You don't have to speak the language. We speak skateboarding, which <laughs> requires a lot of pain to learn. My guest today is Ryan Sheckler. Ryan is an entrepreneur, former reality TV star and philanthropist, and is most well known as one of the greatest skateboarders of all time. He turned pro when he was 13 years old. In that same year, he became the youngest gold medalist in X Games history. At 17, he was the star of his own MTV reality show, The Life of Ryan. And in 2008, he created the Sheckler Foundation, whose goal is to support and enrich the lives of children and injured action sports athletes. Ryan, it's awesome to have you on my show. Welcome to In Search of Excellence. Thank you for having me, man. It's super good to be here. And uh, what an intro. Um, I appreciate that. Sometimes I forget, man. I forget that, uh, you know, I've had such a full life. Um, I very much try to live on a day-to-day basis and uh, not get too far ahead of myself or actually go too far back. So every once in a while when I hear some of the uh, the accolades and things that have happened in my life, uh, it makes me smile, man. It's good stuff. Well, let's start by going all the way back. And I want to talk about this board you found in your garage. Can you tell us about the board, how old you were, and what you did when you saw it for the first time? Yeah, man, that's the crazy thing is um, I actually don't remember. Um, I was so young. you know. I think I was 18 months old. And the only reason I know it's around that time frame is because we have you know home videos. And uh, the skateboard was just intriguing to me. You know, I think I, I was a... I was a wild kid. I definitely moved around a lot. I did not stop. And the skateboard, uh, the skateboard wheels were what was the most intriguing. And I think I flipped it over one day and, you know, my dad was there, my mom, and I just kind of crawled onto the thing and figured out that I could put my front arms on the front of the board and one leg on the back and then use my other leg, which would have been my right leg to start pushing around. And um, that, that's where it started. You know, I started walking at nine months old. So like I, I gradually just, uh, I, I wanted to go fast. I think, I, I think I always enjoyed going fast and being thrown up in the air. My dad would always grab me and throw me up in the air and catch me. And, um, I got a rush out of that, you know, and I think, uh, looking back at it now, it's like, that's a huge reason of why I do the things on my skateboard that I do today. Um, it was just from growing up and, and actually being exposed to adrenaline, uh, very early, safe adrenaline, I guess you could say, but, uh, yeah, the skateboard was intriguing. So I just got on it and I started going and then, uh, naturally took it to the next level and stood up on it and started, uh, actually skating. When was the first time you stood up without your dad or your mom holding um, your pro- hand? Yeah, probably around three years old. Um, three years old, just kind of goofing around in the garage, but all my neighbors skated and all my neighbors were three, four years older than me. So they were, they were the big kids, you know, and, uh, kind of whatever they were doing, I wanted to do and they were all skating. And so for me, the natural progression of what it was, was like to get good. And, and then my competitive nature kicked in and then I wanted to be better than, you know, the kids on the block. And, um, I just kind of strive for that goal. You know, you said a while back that you love the feeling of free falling. I think a lot of us have that feeling for the first time when we're on a roller coaster and the stomach is just up in your up in your face, up in your throat. But you had it at a young age. Was that what fueled you every time you got on the board? You just wanted that rush of adrenaline and energy as you got going? Yeah. 
I, I, I would, uh, I would say it was the, the experience of the free fall pit in my stomach for sure. But then also like speed, you know, and I think at a really young age, uh, I realized the consequence of speed and of trying to skate things that were bigger and outside of my means. And uh, my parents were super rad, dude, and still are super rad. And I think the main thing that helped me be able to achieve goals and to actually get to this point in my life was the way that they reacted when I got hurt or when me and my brothers got hurt. They never freaked out. They never were over the top. Um, Definitely not like helicopter parents of like, oh, well, you, you know, like freaking out. They just stayed super calm. And so in my mind, even as a young kid, it showed me like, oh, I'm okay. You know, like I'm okay. I'm hurt. I broke my arm, but you know, I'm looking at my mom and my dad for reaction and they're just cool and calm and got me to the hospital and got the bone set, got the cast on. And, you know, I remember breaking my arm when I was like five years old, four years old. And, uh, it was a traumatic experience for sure. Jumping over doctor, a Fisher Price picnic table. Yeah. If I have that yeah. right. Yeah, you do. You got it right. Um, all my neighbors were doing it and I was like, man, I can do that. And, um, I couldn't do it and I broke my arm. That was the first time I broke it. Uh, I think it's one of five on the left arm, but I remember getting it casted up and, uh, I just asked the doctor, like, can I skate again? And <laughs> he said, yeah. And then I looked at my parents and they said, yeah. And so I was like, all right, this is fine. Like I can get hurt and be okay. So, I mean, that played a huge part in my life. I've been hurt a lot. Did you wear the pads uh, when you started skating? My son, Charlie, I, I skated when I was a kid, nothing like you. And then Charlie, my son, who's 19, loves you, by the way. Uh, I up, took Charlie? him to the park. What's that? I said, what up, Charlie? He he's not here right now, but uh, he'll he'll see it. He'll he's totally gonna see it. He he's super psyched. Um, cool. So I I took him to a park. We live in Los Angeles. I took him to one of these flat parks and held his hand right, and he's skating along. And uh, this is actually super funny. We're skating, skating, skating. Let go, and it happened so fast where he ran over this two year old kid with a mom standing there. We're like, oop. Um, and it's, it's just one of these super funny moments that uh, that was his first time at letting go is he actually hit a kid. Uh, the kid didn't get hurt, just cried. But when I took him to the park and he skated Venice and he'd go to the Cove every day after school, but I was terrified when he fell for the first time and he was wearing pads. I, yeah. I, I was terrified and hoping. I mean, I was the parent that your parents were not. And I was hoping... He'd fall once or twice. I'm thinking he's not that tough, you know, never want to play football. Um, and he just kept going. He just kept going back and back and back. And it got, it finally got to the point where he was too cool to wear the pads. Were, were you wearing pads or you just took them off right out of the gate? No, I'm, I'm actually a pretty big advocate for helmets and, um, pads for, for kids that are starting to learn how to skateboard. Um, I think it's very important. I think that your neck is not strong enough, especially when you do fall off the board. And like you said, you know, skateboarding happens in milliseconds, split seconds. And so if you're not prepared and if you're not focused and you fall, sometimes as a kid, you're not ready for that whiplash. And I think, uh, I think the helmets are super important. Um, elbow pads, knee pads, it's kind of up to the parents' discretion at that point. Cause you got to remember, like, these are still kids. You know, the parents can still, 
have a say in the safety of their child. And um, for me, I didn't stop wearing a helmet until I was almost 14 years old, you know? Um, for me, maybe the knee pads and the elbow pads, they kind of, they left a little bit quicker, but that's because I was skating street. And the difference between park and street is like in the park, you can fall, you know? And if you have knee pads on, that's all good. You can slide out and fall. But if you start going and skating street, the concrete, the asphalt, the stairs, like you do not want to be stuck in the habit. I did not want to be stuck in the habit of falling to my knees on the concrete. And especially when you start taking them off, you don't want to do that at all. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't about being cool. Um, it wasn't a cool thing for me. It was just, it was more of a comfortability thing at that point. I needed a little bit more, um, kind of free flow with my body when I was in the streets, but I still wore a helmet because I understood that my neck was not strong enough. And still to this day, I can get smoked for sure. Like I, I can go skate and not pay attention for half a second and, and I could end up on the ground hitting my head, you know? So it's a calculated risk that I take, but I don't think it's important. Um, well, I think it's actually really important for kids to wear helmets. Um, until you feel comfortable enough or, you know, you have a discussion with your parents or, or whatever it may be, but, um, don't worry about being cool. Skateboarding is like super accepting and people understand everybody on the skateboard started in one place. We all started at the same place. We all started not being able to do what we wanted to do. We fought through it. We trudged through it and we just kept being persistent on the board to get to where you want to be, whatever level that may be. So, especially kids when they're at the park and they're wearing a helmet, I'm stoked. I'm stoked that they're being smart, you know? And I should wear a helmet sometimes, dude. Honestly, like I really should. And I think about it all the time. And especially now being a dad, I'm like, man, some of these risks are uh, are getting a little crazy. But at the end of the day, I can't stop skating and I can't stop pushing myself. So, so much of the non-helmet movement, I think, is you know you're growing up, or you grew up in a little different day than than the kids today. Where social media, it's all about the social media, right? So you're going to the park, you got your friend. I mean, I was Charlie's photographer, so we go to the parks. We drove in all over L.A. We went to Detroit once to to go to uh, Tony Hawk's Park there. They built downtown uh, yep. in the city. City. I mean, it, it was not a safe neighborhood to even get out of the car, but he want to go there, but it's all about the social media. And you got these kids event a skate park without the helmets because everyone's filming them. So just give, give the advice to all the kids listening or, or the weekend warriors, even people my age, the social media thing, you got to forget it and you got to wear the helmet. Yeah, dude, you know, social media is a, uh, it's a fickle beast, you know, it can work with you or it can absolutely work against you. And what I've realized happening now is a lot of comparison going on, you know? So yeah. maybe you'll watch a trick that I did and you're like, oh, that was, you know, that was what it was. Um, I want to do that. And, but I don't want to wear a helmet and I want to look like that. Well, the difference is, is that like I've put my whole life into this craft and I understand the risks that I'm taking by not wearing protective gear. A kid that doesn't know or hasn't been skating as long as I have or as committed, so say, um, doesn't know how he's going to fall or how it's going to react or or what the board's going to do. So 
I think with social media, you, you kind of, you kind of got to ignore it. Like you said, man, it's like, who cares if you look cool, but you're in a coma, you know, like who cares about that? That's not cool. Um, so it's tough, dude. It's a fine line. It's a fine balance, you know? And I think, um, I think social media is, is it can be good and bad. You know, I think kids don't actually really get to explore and figure out what they, what they want to do. I think the internet tells kids what they should be doing and how they should be doing something instead of uh, firsthand learning. And so for me, especially over here at Sandlot Times, you know, my new skateboard company, like I'm here to let the kids learn and let whoever gets on the team, like learn your craft, learn it the way you want to do it. It doesn't have to be done a certain way. And uh, we have a huge sticker in the skate park and it just says change the narrative. And that can mean a million different things. But for me, change the narrative is just like, you don't have to do something the same way everybody else does it. There's no rules to skateboarding. There's no rules to a skateboard business. There's, um, it's all feel, you know, you got to feel it and you got to listen to your intuition. So if you're a kid or a young adult or a weekend warrior, as you said, and you're getting ready to go skate and something in your mind tells you to put pads on, put them on, listen to that. You know, um, I think it's important. Yeah. And, and you've seen a lot of bad stuff. I've seen not as much bad stuff as you have, but I remember going to Venice skate park and, you know, you take turns, right? So you got the riders and then you wait for someone else. You know, they get their turn. And I think this kid was 14 years old, whatever. And he, you know, you get motivated. Someone before you goes and they're really good. Then you want to go and you want to show off your stuff. And it's a Saturday. There's 500 people there, five people deep. And the kid, uh, who was, you know, not that good. I mean, he was fine. He could get around the ball, hit his head and the yep. kid just passed out and yep. everyone is standing around. We went down on the ball. I, I was on the edge. I, I went down there and you know, I mean, it's a steep drop, right? So you're sliding on your ass going down there and the kid wouldn't move. I'm like, Oh fuck. And so I ran the lifeguard tower at Venice beach was, I don't know, a half mile. And there's no police around either. You're looking for one. Right. They're walking right. up and down the Venice Park. And, you know, I, I, I was, I probably ran the fastest half mile that I've run in my life and I hadn't run in a long time, but, you know, just yelling and screaming for them to come over. And, you know, they came over and, and, you know, it's not like they ran right away either. You know, you got to knock on the door and, uh, the kid for ended sure. up waking up, but, and he didn't die, but it was really the first time I saw someone really pop their head. You know, my son would come home, you know, you okay. And now I got a concussion. What happened? I, you know, skaters are skaters. They want to keep going, right? No matter what. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk. We'll talk about the fear in a while. But let's go back. Um, Tony Hawk, icon. Some consider the best ever. You're in that uh, conversation as well. But give me your birthday party when you're six years old. How'd that happen? Yeah, I mean, we were. Me and my brother were obsessed with Tony Hawk and obsessed with skateboarding. Period. And we knew that he skated at the uh, YMCA. Um, back in the day, it was the YMCA skate camp, but it was just the YMCA skate park in uh, Encinitas. And Shane's birthday was coming up, so we were going to celebrate a uh, kind of a joint birthday. And we wanted Tony Hawk. And my dad found his email, emailed him directly, and uh, asked him if he would come. And and Tony replied, you know, and said he would come uh, for. I think it was like a $500 appearance fee and some chocolate cake, you know? So 
at the end of the day, thinking about it now where I'm sure his appearance fee is probably half a million dollars, you know, it's like we got him for 500 bucks and he ate cake and he brought a bunch of pro skaters and they skated and we watched them and they hung out with us and they signed autographs for me and my bro and all of our friends that came. And, you know, that was a really awesome experience for me because Tony was super cool. And it's a life lesson that I learned very young that like somebody I looked up to and somebody I was intrigued with had the time of day to be cool to me. And that's always stuck with me. That will never leave me. And that's the way I treat people that come up to me or kids that I see when I'm out skating that come up. Um, I've also had experiences where I've looked up to people and thought they were epic and met them in person and they really bummed me out. And so I've had the, I've had the spectrum of, of both sides for sure on, on treatment in skateboarding. And, um, I want to be, uh, I want to be the guy that's, that's nice. And not because I'm trying to be nice, just because I care about skateboarding. Like I absolutely care and love skateboarding. I love the passion that a new skateboarder has, uh, watching a kid land their first kickflip, their first ollie. Uh, there's nothing better for me. Tell us about the kid from Cuba. From Cuba? Didn't you give a board to a, a kid from Cuba who needed a board one day? Dude, that's a crazy st- I don't even know wh- how you came up with that. Yes, dude. I, so I went, I was actually in Cuba um, on a on a Red Bull trip years and years ago. And we started off in Panama and, and I brought a ton of shoes and wheels and trucks and boards and and brought them over to Cuba because the skate scene there is actually epic it's it's insane you know they will create a board out of whatever means they can build these crazy skateboard presses use glue that we don't use today and build their own skateboards and it was very like old school you know there was um like roller skate trucks that they would take off and put on the board. So it'd be like a full size board with really small trucks. And, um, I was just like blown away when we got to Cuba and and saw how many incredible skateboarders there were and especially on what they were skating. So we, um, I actually left everything that I brought, all my clothes, my bag. I went to Cuba with a huge duffel bag and left with just my backpack and like I think one pair of boxers and a pair of socks in case the flight got messed up. But um, that for me is what it's all about. You know, that's why we do Sheckler Foundation now. It's like we want to introduce skateboarding. We want to show what skateboarding can bring, the feeling it can bring, the actual practice of perseverance. You know, like you're not going to get skateboarding first try. You're not like nobody will. You cannot not be a skateboarder, get on and master skateboarding. Honestly, you can't even master skateboarding. It's always changing. It's forever changing. And there's always a new trick. Somebody's always going to be better than you. And that's okay. Once you accept that, you're like, you're totally fine. But uh, yeah, the Cuba trip. I haven't thought about that trip in a long time. That was a cool trip. You know, when you've done well, you've had tremendous success. I've I've done okay. And my son loves a new board, right? Kids got to get a new board is, you know, five new boards a year. I mean, every birthday or non-birthday, dad, I need a new board. What's wrong with your board? You know, it's three months old, whatever. So we had, I don't know, 12 boards in the garage. Uh, and 
my kids, I'm very big on teaching them to give back. They all volunteered at the a food pantry in Santa Monica. And as you know, a lot of the skaters have no money, right? They're there and um, some of them look homeless and yep. volunteering at the food pantry. And there was a guy in line who he saw at the skate park. And so he he, he took a super proud moment as a dad. He took, a, I think he gave him a couple of boards. He said, dad, he came home. He said, I don't know. You know, I looked at him. I didn't know if I should say something. He felt uncomfortable um, because he didn't know what he should say. And it, it was a eye-opening moment for Charlie because I think he was at the time 16 years old. He said, "Hey, you know, gotta give, gotta give him some stuff," and and he did. So um, definitely a very giving community for sure. I mean, I, I hung out with a lot of those kids and a lot of the moms, a lot of the dads. But it's it's a special community when you're a skater. Yeah. <clears throat> It really is special, dude. It's special in the sense that, that it's all love, you know, it's all love. And, and I've got to travel the world as a skateboarder and I travel to places where there's a complete language barrier, but it doesn't matter because the second I jump on my board and I'm at the skate shop or I'm just skating around the street and you hear, I can hear skateboard wheels from a mile away. I know like immediately hear a skateboard. I'm like, Oh, and I relate with that person, no matter what your background is, no matter who you are, what you do. Like if you're on a board, I relate with you because I know what it took to even be able to push down the street like that. Like, oh, and I can always kind of tell too, like how good a, a skater is by how they push, how comfortable they are just like on one foot or what their push looks like or how they kind of go around a corner, you know, and, um, you don't have to speak the language we speak skateboarding, um, which <laughs> requires a lot of pain to learn. And so for me in my life, you know, a lot of my main lessons and biggest lessons in life, uh, whether it be, you know, actual injury or emotional have been through pain. And I think pain is something that a lot of kids get scared of. Um, I think pain is, is what kind of separates the, you know, weekend warrior from someone who's obsessed, whether that be skateboarding or anything. Um, if you're obsessed with something, if you're super passionate about it, no matter what the circumstances is or are, you are going to continue that. And for me, it's skateboarding. I can get hurt and I've been really hurt, 12 broken bones, you know, yeah. ligaments for days and surgeries and pins and, and the whole process. And not once have I ever thought, yeah, hey, maybe I shouldn't skate. You know, it's more like, man, I cannot believe I was not paying attention for that one second that, you know, spun my ankle backwards, like whatever it may be. Um, it's all passion. Skateboarding is passion. So wherever I go in the world and like good on your son, dude, like good on your son for doing that, that, yeah. that comes from his heart. You know, he didn't have to do that. And some people think they have to do it and they'll do it and then they'll film it for social media. And it's like, Hey, yeah. look at me do this. It's like, we want to do good works in, in silence. You know, we want to do good works when people aren't looking at us and make 100%. that a habit of just like doing good things for people. And it doesn't matter if social media or anybody sees you doing that, you know, in your heart that you're actually going out to do it because you want to help. And, um, I don't know. I've just always kind of, I, I just feel led to do very similar things that your son did. So um, yeah. proud of him for that. That's really cool. Thank you. Uh, he's going to be 
probably pissed at me that I that I mentioned it. So I'll just say, hey, uh, Charlie, sorry, and got a really uh, really great Tony Hawk story. So my son had a bar mitzvah, and it was a skateboarding theme party. So it was super cool. Um, he had a new company that he uh, started called Shred On Hat Company. He, he designed the logo. He's super cool hat, but. I put together this video montage of his whole life from, you know, first moment born right up until the party. And I had all these famous people say, happy bar mitzvah, Charlie. And sometimes I would run into them or I'd be at a charity function. I'd track them down. Hey, can you say this? I had Tom Brady and Dustin Johnson and Matthew Stafford. I'm a huge Lions fan. I'm in Detroit and Clay Thompson. And I want to get Tony Hawk. You know, Tony's the big one, right? Skateboard yeah. party. Charlie was all about skating. So like you, I just called up. Right. I said, hey, having a skateboarding uh, party for my son. Would Tony just film a little video? And at that point, his sister was running the foundation. I forget her first name. Amazing woman. Yep. Yep. And she sent this video. Tony at, at his personal park. I, I don't know how big this drop-in was. 40, 40 feet. Tony's going, hey, Charlie, uh, this one's for you. And up and down. And I mean, he was flipping all over the place, upside down. He was, you know, four four round trippers. And then he finished like, happy bar mitzvah, Charlie. And that's how we ended the video. And it's it's like, you know, when, when people are good and they're great, they're just good and great. I mean, he didn't ask for a donation. He he, It was just all good, right? And I, it's... It's that went down as a moment for me of amazing leadership, giving back, being a role model, um, just huge, right? That that just fires you up and it makes you believe in great things as a kid. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I feel like, uh, did you post that somewhere? Um, I feel like I, I've I, seen that. I, I didn't, um, but I'm going to send it to you and, and I probably should post it. Um, I, I think it, it's really it's, cool. It's, it's epic by the way. Yeah. I love that word. Um, I think you should post that dude. I think you should post it and show people, you know, that like some of their, their heroes, their favorite dudes, like are actually super selfless and will do something cool like that for, uh, for someone they don't know, you know? And that's the whole point, dude. It's like, I'm not unique in the sense that I'm a professional athlete. Like I'm not unique because I skateboard. Um, there's nothing about me that's unique. And I, and I accept that. And when I, when I know that and I understand that it makes life so much easier, man, I'm, I'm living life on life's terms. If I run into someone that needs help, I'm going to help them. If I'm going to the skate park and a kid wants to learn how to kick flip, I'm going to help him before I start doing my session. Um, the, the older that I'm getting and the more life, um, that is going by just the more selfless I want to be. Um, I just want to do things for others. I want to do things for my wife, for my kid, uh, for my family. You know, it's not about me when I, when I take myself out of the way and think about others first, crazy doors open up that end up being for me. But, um, if I'm stuck in my will and stuck trying to trying to finesse my life and make it make it go the way I want, I'm I'm miserable. When I kind of just sit back and let life happen, it's all right. 
So, you know, there's there's times in all of our lives, right, when some weird things go down. You're not expecting it and you think some things are just not happening. I had a friend who worked at Fox. It's probably 15 years ago. Fox had nothing online, no content. You know, the, the net was taking off and Fox was nowhere. And they had had some senior people there really just do nothing. And uh, my friend gets a call. His phone rings. Uh, this is Rupert Murdoch. And I'd like to have lunch with you today. Click. Uh, the guy calls back. I uh, said, it's Rupert Murdoch. Uh, I'd like to have lunch today. Uh, and he said, you know, who is this fucking with me? And he hung up again. Then <laughs> phone rings a third time. And uh, he says, this is Rupert Murdoch. I'd like to meet you in the executive lounge at noon today. And it was Rupert Murdoch. Tell us about Rodney Mullen and who he is and you star 69ing him and the impact yeah, he had in your life. Yeah, that that was crazy, you know, thinking about that. It's so funny. Like right when you started talking about that story, my brain snapped to like my Rodney Mullen story. Um, Rodney Mullen, how do you even explain him, dude? Um, he's the best skateboarder alive ever. Um, Still to created, this day? For sure. He'll always be the best. He'll always be the yeah. best because he created all of these yeah. tricks that everybody does now. Tony, uh, sorry, Rodney was the first to do them, was the first to create them. Um, the kickflip, 360 flip, everything. So I attribute and look at Rodney as, you know, the forefather of skateboarding for sure for me. And I've always looked up to Rodney. I've always respected Rodney. And there was a period of my life where I was writing for World Industries, which is a skateboard company. And Rodney and Daywan, who definitely deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. Um, Daywan song is absolutely incredible and, and might be just as, just as gnarly as Rodney. So the two of them were starting a skateboard company called Almost. And I was just getting ready to turn pro for World Industries. I had boards that were like ready to come out, but never did. And I was sitting at home and my the the house phone rang. So there's no caller ID. And my dad answered the phone. And Rodney, who has a very calm, like very subtle voice, was like, hey, it's Rodney Mullen. Um, is your son there? And my dad hung up the phone. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> I was like, hey, who's that? He was like, ah, some guy pretending to be Rodney Mullen. And I was like, dad, if it's actually Rodney, like, you got to call him back, dude. And so we start 69 him and uh, he answered the phone and my dad kind of vetted him out for a little bit and then kind of realized it was him. And the second I heard his voice when I got on the phone, I knew it was Rodney. And Rodney asked me if I wanted to ride for his new company. And for me, dude, that whole period of my life right there, like that 10, 10 to 13 was out of my wildest dreams and it actually wasn't even a dream. You know, I thought, when I was skating with all my neighbors and all the kids, like when I was growing up, you know, and I talk about growing up like five to five to 10, I had tried skating so hard and I was skating every day and was making it a passion. I was obsessed with skateboarding, but I knew, well, what I thought I knew was that it was going to take me until I was like 21 to be pro. 
because skating was so hard. And I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to be professional at skateboarding um, anytime before I'm 21. Like I'm going to have to put in this much work in skateboarding to, to turn pro. And, you know, I was still going to contests. I went to contests every other month. Um, I was winning a lot of contests. I really enjoyed competition skateboarding. And yeah, Rodney hit me up, dude. He hit me up and wanted me on his team. And um, I, I said, yes, of course, uh, of course. And I got to travel with him. I got to travel with him for, you know, four years, three or four years, which being on a trip with him is incredible. Everybody would skate. He would be there. Uh, he wouldn't skate. And then once everyone kind of got back to the hotel, kind of checked in, chilled out, you know, right around like one o'clock in the morning, Rodney would get the filmer and go find a parking garage and just go skate flat ground for hours. And I kind of started figuring out that's what he was doing. And so I would just kind of shadow him and I wouldn't skate. I would just watch him skate. And uh, some of the craziest skateboarding I've ever seen, but also the the most intact mental that I had ever seen. He had a plan. He was going to do this trick until he landed it. And then he was going to land it 10 times. And I learned a lot from Rodney. I learned a lot from Rodney, um, especially like body weight, where my shoulders need to be for a lot of tricks and being taught a trick from a guy who created the trick. Um, that's why some of the tricks I do today are the way they are because I learned how to perfect them from the guy who created them. And, uh, it was just a trip, dude. It's a trip. And, you know, I don't get to talk to Rodney as much as I would like. Um, we still are friends. We still, you know, stay in contact. I'll see him maybe once a year, something like that. But, um, the impact he had on my life is immeasurable. You're 13. You're going to go pro at 21. And as a rookie, you won every contest that year that you were in, including the X games. Was the X games yeah. easily the biggest crowd you've ever seen? And how, how do you respond to the pressure and, once you're there and you're getting the gold medal on the stand, what are you what are you saying to yourself? I mean, I you know watch the Olympics and X Games and Sean White, and it's yeah they've been up there before, right? I mean, even the first time, but you're 13 years old and you're looking around. What what are you thinking? It was crazy, man. Um, getting invited to X Games was the craziest thing. Yeah, to start it off, you know, I I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to get invited to X Games. I just enjoyed skateboarding contests. So I would skate contests and I would take it very seriously. Um, if I didn't win, I was crying and I was very bummed. Um, obviously, I would congratulate the winner because I had respect. But internally for myself, I was um, I was kicking my butt, dude. I was bummed out and I was trying to figure out immediately, like, how can I be better? How can I actually, how can I win the next one? So... With that, you know, mentality skating contests, like I, I got the opportunity to go to X Games and I had watched X Games for years and we ended up showing up there and I started skating the practice. The whole thing was crazy, actually, like checking in as an athlete to X Games was gnarly. You know, I'm like in the athlete check in and there's Brian Deegan, there's Travis Pastrana, you know, there's Tony Hawk and Bob Burnquist and Jamie Bestwick and Ryan Nyquist and all of these superstar athletes that like I'm, I'm a fan of, 
And now I'm in the same room checking in on the same computer that, you know, Tony just touched. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is crazy. And then like Eric Costin would walk in and I was like, man, that's Eric Costin. Like, how am I going to actually compete with these guys? But I didn't, I wasn't in that mind state yet because I was just stoked to be there. Um, and I think just being stoked to be there is what actually got me to the victory. So once I started skating practice, I loved the course. You know, the course was super small, it was super tight, but I was super small and I was like, I was a kid, you know? So like I can make it around this park with, with ease and I loved it. And all of the tricks that I wanted to do were working. And even a couple that I didn't plan on doing worked really well. And I just remember the feeling of like looking up into the crowd. I saw my parents, saw my grandma, you know, like holding signs and like people were stoked. Like a couple people knew who I was and I got a lot of cheers, you know, and I think I got a lot of cheers just because I was the young kid that was there, you know, by far the youngest. And I just remember landing my run and like not really thinking anything more than just like, oh, I landed it, you know, like. And X Games was cool because you got instant scoring. So it kind of threw my name up on the board and with my score and it was above everybody else's. And I was like, man, that's crazy. And I had one more run to do and I don't think I bettered my score. I think I stayed in first after my, either after my first or second run, I stayed, I stayed in first and then the contest was over. Didn't I just remember all my friends like, these skateboarders that I looked up to like came over and picked me up and I don't think it actually made sense to me what had happened. Um, they put the metal around my neck and I just remember like thinking about what to do with it. And so I like put it in my mouth cause I was like, I've seen <laughs> other people, you know, put the metals in their mouth. Like, is that what you're supposed to do? Like, I didn't know what to do. Um, but my, my initial thought after I won too was like, I was just so stoked to go to school the next day. You know, it was like on a Sunday and I had to go to school the next day and I was going to take the medal and I did. And, you know, I thought maybe like I would just show a couple friends like, Hey, check this out, you know, but like, I forgot X games is on TV, you know, and people watch the X games. Yeah. And, and I'm from San Clemente, you know, so it's like surf skate community. Like that's what we do down here. And, uh, everybody watched it. everybody watched it. My teachers watched it. Like people watched it. And, um, that feeling was crazy. That feeling was crazy. So it was always a trip to me when my teachers didn't work with me when I needed to go on a trip and they would give me homework. And then, you know, some worked with me, some didn't. And that's a whole nother story, but well, let's, let's, let's get into this. Yeah. I mean, let's get into it because that's where I was going next. You know, you, your family, the values are you finish what you start. You tell us about how wrestling helped you, which you learned. uh, I think you took wrestling your freshman year of high school and and what it was like because you didn't really finish and then you didn't go to high school anymore. You were homeschooled. So tell us, tell us about all that. Yeah, it was just a crazy time. It was a crazy time in my life. You know, I was, uh, I had just turned pro, just won the X games. Um, and then obviously the rest of that summer, there was three, three more events, um, slam city jam in Vancouver. Uh, there was a Vans triple crown. Uh, there was another one. I forget what it was, but there was like four main uh, gravity games in, in Ohio. There was these four competitions and my rookie year of being a pro, I won all four of these. And 
traveling and doing that whole thing was kind of crazy. So I was like, all right, I still like want to be somewhat of a kid. Like I had good friends at, at, at home and I really enjoyed being at the beach and like just hanging out. So I made the decision to go to freshman year of high school, um, not homeschool, like actually go. And I remember sitting in PE and I had the uniform on and I'm like sitting in on the, on a number on the ground, you know, it's like one through a hundred and I'm just sitting there and I was really second guessing, uh, being at school. I'm like, man, this is like, this is PE. Like I should, I should be skating right now. Like I have contests coming up. Like I should definitely be skating. And then my buddy, Carl was like walking by and he saw me sitting there. He's like, what are you doing here? Like you're not doing PE, like come with me. And so I attributed a lot to my buddy, Carl, we call Nohea. Uh, he pulled me out of PE and I was like scared I was going to get in trouble. And he like walked me into the wrestling room. And then that's where I saw the adrenaline and like fast pace of wrestling. And I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. So I started wrestling that day and I took to it pretty quickly. Um, I took to it pretty quickly. I really enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it. It gave me the same feeling, uh, when I was in a wrestling match that like I got before I skated where I got super nervous, almost on the borderline of like crying, you know, cause my, my, yeah. I was so focused. I was just so focused and I wanted to win. And, um, that helped me win a few, uh, few wrestling matches that year and, you know, contribute to the school, which was cool. But the biggest thing wrestling did for me was teach me how to roll out of tricks that I'm falling on, on the ground. I learned so much control of, of being able to just fall backwards and actually roll out of it and then get back to my feet. And without wrestling, I think I'd have a lot more injuries, absolutely a lot more injuries. So it's kind of something I recommend if, you know, kids are interested in trying something new is like, if you're taking skateboarding serious, you should definitely start grappling or jujitsu or wrestling, something of that nature to, and it's also a great outlet. It's a great outlet. But um, it helped me with skateboarding. <laughs>